Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Today, you know, we rely on technology, our phones, for example, is, mm. is a good example. And we rely on that technology for our running and or walking, whichever you do. But we're going to ask the question today, what else are you relying on? And then, if you don't follow NASCAR, a really exciting thing happened recently. And I will share how it instructs us in so many ways. And then joining me for that and so much more is Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. Happy Thanksgiving week, Dean. Yeah, cool. I love Thanksgiving. Yeah, we got a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We do. And I, I, that's what I love about Thanksgiving. Yeah. I've never been big on the food of Thanksgiving. Yeah. As much as I like to eat. I love the food. Yeah. 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 It's not bad. It's a good, it's a, it's a cool thing, but yeah. Yeah. But with Thanksgiving week is also Black Friday week here at Run for God. Yeah. So everything on the website is 25% off. We kind of keep it simple. We've always done this the week of Thanksgiving. You know, we we just mark everything down 25% and let it be a free-for-all. So uh, we're always super busy the week after Thanksgiving, getting everybody's orders and shipping them out. It's The Christmas season really feels like it kicks in that week. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you if you needing run for God gear, go to runforgod.com, get your gear. It's uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more here in just a minute. But um it's Black Friday week here. Well, your Christmas season has already started. Oh, my Christmas season started. I was wanting it to start at the end of October. I had to fight my wife on that. So <laughs> But you finally got your tree up. I got my tree up. The house is decorated. The neighbors are making comments. And you don't care a bit. And I don't care. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's awesome. My neighbor next door to my to the to the west, I, to the south, he uh he sent me a text that night cuz I got I got like a antique Santa Claus that's on my front porch. It was my grandfather's that he used to display it long before I was even born. And wow. it's it's a pretty cool Santa. You'll yeah. have to admit. But it is on the cheesy side. I mean, it's Yeah. And uh so I had my Christmas decorations up. It was like uh, this this is November the tenth when we're cutting this, so it was this past weekend. It was like November first. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he sent me a text that evening. He said, "Well played, neighbor." <laughs> I like that. So uh, that's awesome. So yeah, we had a really exciting thing happen with Landon's cross country team. Too. Yeah, yeah, the Cahulla Creek cross country. They they fared a lot better than than anything had predicted them to the race yeah. you know we watched we look at the what is virtual it mile meet. split virtual meet yeah and um they did a lot better than they were supposed to they were supposed to be 20th and finished 12th and yeah. that's i looked at all of the teams that were in in the race and the next best team overperformed by three places and our guys really? overperformed by eight wow. and what's the the most fascinating thing about that to me is that one of our top five runners wasn't there yeah and uh, but we had another guy who really stepped up in a big way. And how many how many runners in our top seven are seniors? Are are any of them? Uh, zero. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Ben was. So everybody's coming back next year. Yes. Which is which that's is right. good. If we can just get all those guys running all summer. Yeah. Man, that's just so important. 
if we can yeah. get them to do that. I and think we need to mandate it. Yeah. I say we. I'm not a coach. I think you need to mandate that. <laughs> I know it's kind of sticky there with it some is, of the rules yeah. and everything, but you know we can mandate. We could get them to join a, a run for God cross country team. Yeah, during the summer, yeah, and, and like then I'll mandate idea. it. I like but, the idea. It's so important to to do it all year long. You talk about that in your Dean's thoughts today. Yeah. It's, it's the consistency of training is the key to being fast. Yeah. It's not workouts. It's not plans. It's not the right coaching. It's consistency above everything, head and shoulders above everything. It's consistency. Absolutely. 100%. So, hey, let's talk about our sponsor today. Again, we just we thank everybody out there that's that sponsors Run for God. We can't do what we do without you. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a partner with Run for God, send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. He'll get you all of the information. Uh, but this week's sponsor is a good buddy of mine, Jess Burgess Framing Company, um, with the housing market at recent at a recent high right now, and that is changing day by day right now. <laughs> Having a reliable framing crew is essential. Someone who is honest, does what they say they will do, and someone who can get the job done with excellence. Jess Burgess Framing Company has all these qualities. So if you're a developer or a contract, contractor in the Dalton-Whitfield area, give Jess a call for the best framing crew around. And you can find Jess on uh, Facebook. He's got a Facebook page. Uh, just look up Jess Burgess. But, um, but yeah, we just I can't say it enough about our sponsors. Mm-hmm. We These, these uh, companies, they just stand beside us shoulder to shoulder with us. Um, month in and month out and we were so thankful for them so again if you've got a company out there and you want us to uh to promote what you do and at the same time you support what we do which is sharing the gospel through the sport of running then uh reach out to us and we'll get you all the information great to see companies are willing to stand up for the cause of christ run club social post from this past week comes from john sandifer Uh, he says Stopped for some refueling and analysis after a bit of a struggle on the long run today. I knew I was taking a bit of a risk today. Sometimes a risk pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. Today, it didn't. No injury or anything, just a struggle. After having a stellar, for me, long run last weekend, following a strong half marathon, for me, the weekend before, my body has been telling me all week I wasn't giving it the recovery it needed. I was trying to push hard toward a peak today, three weeks from my next marathon, instead of realizing that strong efforts need longer recovery, especially at my age. I had planned to match my mileage for my long run last weekend at 22 miles. And heck, let's throw in some light but long and steady hills to step it up one more notch. At 18 miles, uh, and my legs just beat I decided that trying to run the last four would probably do me more harm than good. There are times to push through, and there are times to make the decision to avoid injury, especially three weeks out from a goal race. Unfortunately, I did an out and back, so I had an achy four-mile walk back to the car. The good news is I have had a strong buildup overall and still feel confident going into the taper period of the next three weeks. And there were lessons in today's struggle about how to structure my next buildup to better plan my route when I knew I could have had a, I could have a potential struggle and to be more humble with the limits of my physical body I was given. But hey, sometimes you don't really know if you're pushing your limits until you take a step too far. Now to absorb these lessons and look forward to seeing what I can do at Space Coast Marathon in three weeks. Thanks for listening and for all of the love and support. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Hmm. It's a refreshing post. It is. Uh, I, I like when people are a little vulnerable and say, look, here's something I learned. Yeah. Because um, we, don't, we all learn a lesson from time to time, but a lot of times we want to push that down and sure. not talk about it. And kudos to, to John for recognizing what he did here. I think he's dead on in all of his analysis from everything I can see from it. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, you know, cause we, we've all been in those workouts before and, and I'll never forget something that, uh, um, what is Mitch Fricks? Uh, an orthopedist, orthopedist, yeah. orthopedist friend of mine said one time, he said, it's better to go in a, into an event undertrained than injured. Hmm. And we, especially leading into an event like what well, John, if, if there's any inclination that, because we've talked about this before. You can almost feel when you're running on the edge of injury. And mm-hmm. uh, back it down. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's much better to not get those last few reps in than to tweak something. Because there's nothing worse than going into a race and something's just not quite right. So Yeah, we actually had on a local team, a local cross-country team, high school team, mm-hmm. uh, a kid from Northwest that we all know, Gavin, mm-hmm. who went over a month without right. running a single step and still ran well and still ran well in his region meet because now he did get in the pool and he did he kept, and he ran pretty good at state too he did yeah he did he had so um so yeah sometimes now could he have run better if he'd have been running sure he could have run better right. but he still ran pretty well and you're it's way better to run a, a pretty good race than to completely crash and burn or not run the race at all because you got hurt sure and so uh, yeah this is a re- really good example i like the way that he i like the way he went into this open-minded too to Mm -hmm. this may be great this may not be so good i may crash and burn yeah and and he recognized it it sounds like going into it and uh i think when we leave ourselves open to the possibility of all things i think we're always going to be more successful that way yeah um and he and he did and yeah the key is though is understanding that those things could happen but not allowing yourself to use those things as an excuse to get out of a workout because many times you know we'll have something in our head and and we'll we'll feel something or think something that's not really there, but we're really just wanting to shut the workout down. And many times that's that's why I kind of cringe. I, I understand exactly what he's talking about on parking the car with the anticipation of something happen. That that can be dangerous. I understand exactly what he's saying, but there's also those times where if that car is there, it's there, and we can just hop in it. And so yeah. you know. So I think you see what I'm saying there. Not that yeah. John was doing that because John wasn't doing that. But right. you got to be careful in those circumstances. You do. Yeah, you don't want Sometimes wanna... we need the car to be parked back at the start line yeah. and we're doing it out and back. Yeah, that extra. Holds us accountable. Yeah, that extra four-mile walk that he made yeah. was probably, that was an indication that he planned to follow through sure. for sure. Sure, And uh, yeah, and that, you're right. That's exactly the way we should yeah. go into those things. Yeah, for sure. So yesterday I had the, the local kid that I've talked about on here before, Nate who is a middle schooler and I've been trying to help him and he's getting stronger and stronger. He's actually, he's he's got some pretty good talent. So I'm in the middle of my run yesterday and I get a text message from Nate and he says, I want to try for a new 5k PR today. (laughs) Today. Today. (laughs) So I knew that might not be the best idea to do it impulsively, but, but you got to let but that you, happen. You got to let that, you know, yeah. the strike while the iron's hot. Right. So I, I stopped I, in the middle of my run. I turned around, I ran back to my car and I said, I'll be there in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I met him and we, he went out crazy hard. 
he's trying to run like 625 pace and he went out and ran the first mile and right at six minutes it was way <laughs> too fast and um i was trying to hang back and get it I, but I, I was trying to decide do i do i make him slow down or do i let him learn a lesson and i let him learn the lesson go too far and and he got to a point he just stopped and started walking mm. like almost two miles in but you know so we've close. done that so many times through the year we talk about it all the time there's some workouts that we prescribe that don't make physical sense at all yeah but the mental gain that young people or anybody gets from some of these workouts far outweighs the physical setbacks it might cause yeah um yeah, Nate, I, I I love that. I love that he texted you and said that. that yeah. That's promising. It's a good sign. It it's is. a good sign. I think he's going to do well. And just basically, I had a hard time keeping up with him for that first mile. And um, he's going to be pretty good next year. Hmm. I think he may run. I think he may run. I was hoping for maybe a sub-20 from him. He may be able to go 19 minutes. There's some talent there. And he'll so. be at Kahala. He will be at Kahala, hmm. yes. Even yeah. better. He's adding to that group right. that we've got coming back next year, for sure. Hmm. All right. We did have a trivia question from last week, and that trivia question was, what is the highest marathon in the world? Did you even know there was such a thing as this? I, I knew there probably was, but I would not. I guess it's kind of logical that this is the answer, but I just thought it was, I thought that would have been too high. I wouldn't have thought it was possible because I yeah, just would have, I, I guess would have guessed it. you can't run. It's not conducive to a run, sure. but I, apparently it is. Yeah. So there's the Everest Marathon. This is what Wikipedia says about it. Everest Marathon is an annual marathon event held in the district of Salakumbo, Nepal, around the vicinity of Mount Everest in May. With its starting point at 5,364 meters, which is 17,598 feet above sea level, the marathon is considered to be one of the highest and toughest races in the world. The marathon starts at the Mount Everest base camp and moves through the traditionally used high Sherpa trails of the Kumbo Valley. The event is officially approved and recognized by the government of Nepal as part of its annual tourism calendar in recognition of the first successful ascent of the highest peak in the world by the duo of the late Tenzig Norgay Sherpa and Sir Ed Edmund Hillary on 29 May 1953. This event was officially named the Tenzig Hillary Everest Marathon. The marathon includes three different categories for its participants, which include a 60-kilometer extreme ultramarathon race, a 42-kilometer full marathon race, and a 21-kilometer half marathon race. You know, I have run at 7,000 feet. Yeah. And it feels like you're breathing through a straw. It does. It's 7,000 feet. And this is, this is 10,000 feet more than that. I, I don't understand. I don't, of course, I guess those, those Sherpa guys... I'm sure they make up a lot of the participants, I would think. Probably. And those guys are conditioned for it, but <laughs> for for some guy from the United States just to say, hey, I think I'm going to do that, man, that just does not seem like a good idea it just, or fun. No, <laughs> it does sound painful. It does. For sure. Well, this began back in 1985, um, and in 2003, it changed a little bit because there was a group that was doing it in kind of a loose way, and then the government got involved and said, we're going to sanction this thing, and so it got to become more official. So now there's basically two events held. There's actually two marathons, uh, one a little less official, and then this is the official one. Um, 
And they're real strict on this one, as you can imagine, like we were just talking about, that you have to have a certificate of good health from a doctor before sure, they're going to let yeah. you start this race. Um, the total elevation drop in this race is 1,620 meters. And when you say 1,620 meters, it doesn't sound like much, but that's over a mile down. Yeah. And can, can you imagine how hard that is on your body? So not only can you not breathe and you're having a hard time getting enough oxygen to the muscles, but you're also just absolutely pounding those muscles going downhill. Yeah, and we've talked about it before. For people that don't know, running downhill is much harder on your body than running uphill. I, the the sure. sorest I've ever been was after running a, a half marathon called Downhill at Dawn, where it was down a mountain. Yep. And fastest time I've ever had, but also the most pain I've ever experienced the next day. <laughs> you paid for it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, and I'm sure the entry fee for this thing is sky high, but it would be very cool to run the Everest Marathon, <clears throat> which is the highest marathon in the world. So did you mean to do that? What's that? The entry fee is sky high. Sky high. I didn't did you, do that on purpose. You didn't? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Man, I should have said I did do that. All right. So we got three <laughs> things we need to talk about. This All is right. the this is the section where we, we kind of plug the things that are going on at Run for God. But we got three things that are coming up. Number one, teach a class. We have the the whole coaching section is up on the website now, runforgod.com. If you're a member, you go in and you 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 fill out the application to coach a class. You can do that in your community. You create your own link, everything. It's it's really cool. We've got several people who have already signed up for this. Um, teach a class this January. 5K or Couch to Marathon or both. It's going to be incredible. Uh, we are trying to get as many classes started um, on January 23rd as we can. This is when everybody's going to kick off either individually as groups around the country. Some are going to be doing the 5K. Some are going to be doing the 5K as the first step to the Marathon Challenge. And January is our biggest time of year, mm. by far, hands down, n not even close. Always has And been. we won't, this is the first time that we've, you know, years past, we've relied on groups and churches. COVID hit, we kind of changed over to individuals around the country doing it online. This year, we're pulling both, both together. And it's going to be a really cool dynamic. You can be in a class of 20 people in anywhere USA, but you're also part of a much bigger audience that is going on around the world. It kind of links all the groups together and all the individuals that are, that are spotted around the country, around the world, really. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I have a feeling we're going to have some from Ireland over there. If you're listening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be incredible. So go on the coaching tab at runforgod.com, look into it, pray about it, talk to your church or your, your, you know, wherever you're going to do it in your community. Um, we say it all the time. It's going to change you more than it's going to change your students. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Black Friday is on for the until uh, Monday of next week. Everything on the website is twenty five percent off. Yeah. Everything is twenty five percent, with the exception of a few things. We have some closeout items that are just marked down dirt cheap anyway. Those aren't on there, uh, but all the normal stuff at runforgod.com is twenty five percent off. Go get your gear, get geared up, get ready, get your gift cards, get your Christmas gifts. Uh, we got a lot of cool things on there, and couch to marathon, obviously. Yeah. Be thinking about that. If you sat back this past year and thought, man. I should have done that. Or if such and such does that, then I'll do it this time. Or I've always wanted to do that. That's on my bucket list. Whatever your reason, join us January 23rd for the Couch to Marathon. You've still got plenty of time to think about it, pray about it, get prepared, get your head in the right spot, get your new running shoes, whatever. 
everybody likes to get prepared for a monumental task like that. And it's a monumental task, but it's a monumental, um, the feeling. When you cross that finish line, there's nothing like it. So three things to think about. Um, Go to runforgod.com. You can find out more about all of them. 2023 is going to be the best year ever. For sure. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. back and if you haven't checked out j radio yet remember these guys are instrumental in making sure that this podcast gets out so if you appreciate the podcast we don't know why you want to listen to mitchell and i but we appreciate the fact that you do yeah and uh, but also go out there and and check out j radio and 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 uh give them some patronage as well um it would be it would be helpful to them but also remember that you're also supporting us when you support them for sure all right so um well, let's talk about the election. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I was about to throw something across the desk at you. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Yeah, because that's all you're hearing anywhere sure. these days. And so, uh, anyway, it's uh, by the time this comes out, well, it'll be it'll be in the rearview mirror. But, I don't know. There's runoffs going on, so well, it's gonna, they're going to keep the fire stoked for well, weeks on end. More. <laughs> that's true. But we know who's in control, exactly. and it ain't nobody in Washington or in any state legislature. Exactly. All right. Hey, we need stories. We are running dangerously thin on your stories. I'm going to send an email out this week. So by the time this comes out, you will have an email in your inbox that's going to have a button that all you have to do is click that button and write your story. Because we know everybody has a story you've thought about it running you're like oh i wish i wish they would talk about blah 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 write it down put it in format we make it easy for you we we put the outline there um but i can't say we've ever had a bad story no we've never had a bad story no so submit yours and let me say this too if you're worried about you know, perfect sentences and, and all of that stuff. Do not worry about that. I take some some of them, some stories I don't edit at all. And some stories I edit fairly heavily because some people are just better writers than others. Right. And if you're not a good writer and you're worried about that, please do not worry about that. It will sound fine when we, when we read it. Let me put your mind at ease about that fact. Dean and I have now, we, we've pinned quite a bit of things through the years now. Yeah. And everything we do, we send to either professional editors or we have some some ladies in-house that helps us edit. We have some of you that we've even had help edit before, and you know who you are. Everything we get back looks like a bloodbath. <laughs> so you're you're in good company. You That's know, right. we, we, we all need help with grammar, with writing, with punctuation and things like that. Don't worry about it. That's We're right. not reading it. It's not being read by eyes anyway. We're... We're speaking it. That's so right. We're going to put it in our own language anyway. So uh, don't worry about it. Just yeah. submit your story. Amen. Well, let's talk about breathing. 
Do you think breathing as it relates to running is something that can make a big difference or, or not? For sure. And yeah. it's it's funny that you this was on here because I did I did a workout yesterday. I hadn't done that in a long time. I did wow. six eight hundred yesterday. Um and the first one I realized, Mitchell, you gotta you gotta think about your breathing. And for the last five, I focused on keeping my breathing long and stay exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. And it made all the difference in the world yeah. when I focused on that, because what do we typically focus on, especially in a workout? The pain, the pain. this hurts yeah. mm-hmm. and you start to panic and your breathing gets shorter. Mm-hmm. And when you stop and really think about it, you can change that. That's right. And it, it not only does it, not only does it help you to, to relax, what it does is it focuses away from the pain mm-hmm. on something else that's more manageable. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, I heard something this past week about breathing, and it really doesn't have a lot to do with run. This wasn't in a running context. But, but it has it was, a lot to do with it. Yes, running. it was very, very instructive. So when we become stressed, uh, and, of course, running makes us stressed, hopefully in a good way, but it, mm-hmm. does, it does stress us, then our breathing is impacted when, we, when we're stressful. And what happens is when we get stressed, we breathe more shallow. Mm-hmm. Just it's an automatic reaction. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we do is that studies show that every time we pick up our cell phone, our breathing gets shallower. Mm. Isn't that interesting? That's alarming. It is, but, it, but, it's, <laughs> but it's true. Right. So, um, so here's some things that you can do. There's there's a couple of different techniques out there. And and frankly, I'm not sure that it matters. Mm-hmm. There's there's studies that show both can be effective. But I, I just want to give us two different things that you can do. One is called the two-to-one breathing technique. And, and what that does is um, it, it helps to trigger the right nervous system. So your nervous system, whenever you whenever you get nervous, whenever you start to run whenever things start to go bad, whenever you hear bad news, whenever you pick up that cell phone, whatever it is, your your parasympathetic nervous system is triggered and it, 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 it causes you to breathe shallower. So what you have to do is change the way that you breathe and you have to do it intentionally. So what two to one breathing is, is breathing in for a period through your nose, breathe in through your nose, for let's say four seconds, count to four as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, count to double that number. So if you're breathing in for four, then you breathe out for eight. Hmm. So in for four, out for eight. I challenge you to just do that mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Just just put this on pause and do it and see if you don't feel better after you do that for about a minute or so. And I'll, I guarantee you, you will. Um, there's also another one that uh, that I heard recently. This is what triggered this whole thing was this this technique where you you breathe in twice through your nose and then once through your mouth. So it's and it, it and doing that basically does the same thing. It kind of expands your lungs and it's a relaxing feeling. And so those are two things. So here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about every time that you pick up your cell phone and you look at your cell phone, I want you to think about this breathing technique. Hmm. And if you'll do that, you'll keep your breathing under control all day long because we're all looking at our phone all the time for different reasons. And that would be a good time and a good trigger to do that. Hmm. And so, yeah, I just thought this was a good a good practical thing to pass along to folks. That- yeah, it is. And I think kind of the overarching 
idea behind it because we've talked about it in the past. You don't get too hung up on breathing strategies. You right. know, breathing in your nose, out your mouth. We always say breathe through whatever the biggest hole is to get the most air because that's what you need when you're running. But the idea, the overarching idea is, is you can think about it and you can control that breathing. Whatever way works for you, in your mouth, in your nose, out your nose, out your mouth, What it doesn't matter. The idea, and what I saw yesterday was just getting my breathing under control and, and the fact that it's, it's longer breathing exercises because you're right. What does your body need the most when you're running, especially running hard? You need oxygen. Well, mm -hmm. when you breathe shorter, your, your, your repetition is speeding up, but you're actually getting less oxygen. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can just think about, and it all comes back to the relax. That's right. You know, it's kind of where that relaxing is going to when we say that to runners. Mm -hmm. Just relax. It's because we can see those shoulders come up. And when your shoulders come up, that means your breathing is getting short. That's right. And when you relax, you drop those shoulders. You can, I can feel my lungs right now doing it. Mm -hmm. You feel those lungs drop, they get longer, and you're just able to relax and get more air. So, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great point, Dean. Yeah, yeah. Focus on the breathing. Be calm. All right. Our story this week comes from Melissa Weimer. This is an older story, um, but it's, it's a good one. And it's called, What Do You Rely On? I'm an interval runner. I run three minutes, then walk one minute and repeat. I rely on technology. I have a great app on my phone that tells me three minutes fast, one minute steady. It also has a cool feature such as keeping my pace, tracking my route, and telling me my distance. It even lets me know the elevation I'm at and plays music all at the same time. Well, today, I, as I was running and I was really distracted by the awesome praise and worship music I was listening to and realized that I had been running longer than the three minutes. So I stopped and checked my technology to realize I missed the interval five minutes ago. It was still tracking, but the little voice that comes on stopped talking. No worries. I had backup technology, my, my watch. So I set my watch to beep at my intervals so I could continue. But as I continued my run, God convicted me in that moment. Do I rely on God as much as my technology? I use technology for everything. But there are so many times that my computer shuts down, my GPS takes me the wrong way, and my phone drops its signal. When you accept Jesus in your life and plug into the Word of God, it never shuts down on you. It won't lead you the wrong way, and the signal is never dropped. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Like my running app that tells me when to run and when to walk, God's Word does the same. I know when I put more faith in my God than in technology, the paths before me are wonderful. I challenge you, rely on the Lord more than you rely on technology. You will see the difference. I leave you with one of my favorite verses in Isaiah forty thirty one. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So, That's a great story, Melissa. And so true. So true. Yeah. We're so heavily invested in trusting technology for so many things. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, almost everything. Yeah. Almost everything we do nowadays really comes from technology. I mean, even information that we get now used to come in the form, maybe there was a newspaper thrown on our front 
porch. Well, we don't get those newspapers or an anymore. Encyclopedia. I mean, whatever. What is, whatever happened to those? Yeah, there's. Yeah. Do they even still make those? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't you, think so. You've got online encyclopedias yeah. now, and so. Yeah, everything has changed, and it's so much so important. And I remember I worked at a manufacturing facility at one time. We had about eight hundred people that worked at this particular factory, and I remember one time the just basically the whole network computer system went down. The the whole we had to send people home because hmm. there wasn't an immediate fix to it, and so we had to send people home because the technology was wasn't working because mm-hmm. um, we couldn't do any work without the technology working it's alarming really i mean it 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 is i don't know if you remember i don't know this has been a few years back our uh our website was down and uh so i called our web guys up in chattanooga and i said hey the website's down he said oh yeah he said google all of their east coast servers went down and for like 30 minutes anything that was on the google platform you couldn't access. And then that. they switched everything to the West Coast or something. They explained it to me and everything was back up and running. You're like, oh, okay. But then that evening, I really got to thinking about it. Everything at Run for God, we, we basically had to go home ourselves. Yeah. There was, because everything we do nowadays is through the website. All the orders come through through the website. All our communication with our members is through the website. Run for God basically got brought to its knees. Kind of a play on words there. <laughs> but we were crippled because technology went down. Yeah. And that, as great as technology is, it, it, it is kind of alarming. It really is. And there's so many ways that technology has impacted running specifically. Too. Sure. I mean, she mentions a couple here. Um, but, you know, even heart, heart rate monitors. I don't know if she mentioned heart rate here. Shoe technology, the fabrics that are in the clothes that we run in has all made it a, a much more a better sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all, all of these things that, that we rely on. And, and then here's the big question. What if everybody relied as heavily on God mm-hmm. as we do our technology? That's a convicting question. It is. And, but it's one I think we all should ponder. Sure. So I think it would make a difference. Psalm one nineteen one Oh five. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you ever run in the dark, you know the uncertainty that comes with that. I remember one time I was going to go on a very long bike ride and I wanted to start early because it was going to be, it was going to be that long, right? Mm-hmm. That I was going to be out there. And so I started before the sun came up, knowing the sun was going to be up and you know, 45 minutes to an hour and about, I don't know, a mile or two into that ride, I heard dogs mm. and you know, dogs and bikes mm. don't mix. Mm-mm. What's one thing for running, it's even worse with bikes. And so I remember I turned around and I went home and I just started later because I couldn't stand it. That's how important (laughs) light is. You know, it's kind of the same thing. And a lot of times we're we're trying to ride in the dark and there's dogs out there and we're we're a little uncertain. And that's why our anxiety sometimes is so high, I think, because of that. You know, I I read this this morning and... You know, we talk about this all the time, how, how verses of Scripture just hit you differently. That's why that's why we call it a living, breathing documents, because it, it hits you where you're at. Well, it really hit me this morning how the Bible, and many times, so many times, paints such a good word picture. 
and you don't really know it until you really sit down and you think about it. But I got to thinking about this verse this morning. I, I'm a hunter, and so a lot of times I'm going either in the woods or coming out of the woods in the pitch dark. You know, I sit there in the dark. And I remember the other night I come out, and I was walking out, and as a hunter, I always say I would rather not have a light because your eyes adjust enough, and you can you can see everything around you. And so I very rarely use a light but when i do how do you how do you hold a light at night you hold it down at your feet so you can see where you're going mm-hmm. what happens if you put it up to your face it blinds you and you yeah. can't see anything yeah but what happens to the things around you when you're holding the light at your feet it brightens what's in front of you and dims what's around you hmm. you can't look out and see that's why i don't like it walking in and out of the woods because I can't see anything else. But this picture in Scripture that God's Word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, think about the word picture there. It's a light into our feet. It lights up what is in front of us, where we need to be going, and it darkens everything around us, the distractions Mm -hmm. around us so that we can't see them, and a light into my path. It's not a light that you hold up to your face because then you don't see anything. And I just, I don't know, that's kind of a sidetrack, but I just thought every time you read God's Word, it's like you see something different and you're like, this was was written thousands of years ago. Hmm. And they didn't have flashlights then. I mean, they had torches. But it's so relevant thousands of years later, and the Word picture is just so vivid when you really sit... And you, you got to sit and meditate on these things, ponder these things. And that's what I did this morning with this verse. And I thought, wow, it's just, it's so interesting. That's exactly the, that's what, exactly what I got out of it. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of times we have different takes on, sure. on these verses, but it was, yeah, the, the, this verse tells me that the Bible is meant to guide us. Right. That's exactly what it's saying. Sure. And yeah, and I love that. Isaiah forty thirty one. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What I like about this verse in context is the verse before it says, "Even the youths shall faint," um, or like they said in the my cousin Vinny, the youths. Even the youths shall faint. Uh, <laughs> it was a little bit before my time. Then. <laughs> Uh, well, why is that? Well, it's it's because people who are youth, what what this is referring to is people who are inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And we we tend to rely on our own power until we get some experience. And the, the contrast here is to rely on God's strength, and that's what it's saying in verse 31. So it's saying, you know, at, at some point in time you're young, you don't know any better, but then at some point in time you do know better, and, and when you can let... God be your guide kind of goes hand in hand with that verse before this, then um, it, it it helps to guide us along. It helps to pull us along. Um, and I think this picture, this, this verse is a good picture of consistent improvement. It's renewing our strength constantly. It's not, it's not renew. It's not renew at one time. You know, it's it's a constant. It's like an annual subscription that automatically renews mm-hmm. itself. It's it's always there and it's always working. And what could be more applicable to running 
mm-hmm. than, than that. It's, well, and you, you gave a great example just a few minutes ago. What's, remind me of the young man's name. Nate. Nate. Mm-hmm. Nate, you, you've been running for 30-something years, 40 years. Nate's been running for two. And Nate wants so bad to run a really fast time. He wants so bad to break 20 minutes. But he went out and he he started running on 20-minute pace, which is exactly what we do so many times in our walk with Christ. We 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 try to outrun our coverage. In Nate's case, he was outrunning his fitness. Many times we try to outrun God, and that, mm-hmm. that never turns that well. But mm-hmm. he, he crashed and burned. He went home and he got recharged. Well, that's exactly what we need to do. We run into discouragement so many times, and we think, oh, that just didn't work out. But what we need to do is we, we need to go back to the huddle. We mm-hmm. need to get on that battery charger, which is – which is God's word. It's 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 talking to God, so that next time we go out and we we go a little bit further. You, like I said, I've said it so many times. You never know how far you can go. Yeah. Until you go too far, we we need to go too far sometimes with God's word and or with with doing things for God, and He allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. But as long as we're coming back and we're getting that recharge and and getting comfort in Him. We can go further the next time. That's awesome. Second Corinthians one nine. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that, but but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God lets us go through these tough times a lot of times for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 state of Israel, the country of Israel has gone through some tough times over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear in the Bible why God allowed that to happen um, because they, they they needed that to get, a, to get them back on track. And so God lets us get into these less than ideal circumstances often to get our attention. Um, and that's what's going on here where Paul in this passage is talking about how, how bad things were. were mm-hmm. And it got to the point where the only thing they had was to rely on God. Mm-hmm. And that was the direction they had to take because they really didn't have any other choice. Sometimes God will let us get to that point. Sure. Um, and we get so frustrated along that that drop to that low point. Mm-hmm. We get so frustrated. We've all been there. Um, but the truth is, is God's, God's got a plan in every case. So this morning I, I got on a, you know how sometimes I'll read these scriptures and I'll get sidetracked. And, and I did this morning with this one because you know, we, we all hear about the troubles and the trials and the persecutions and the beatings and everything that Paul took along his ministry. And honestly, I've never really dug into why. I mean, we say it's, it's because of his faith. But what really happened back then? And, and this kind of piqued my interest last night with the youth group. Um, we got to talking about Demetrius. And... Demetrius in those days, he was the root of a lot of the problems, especially with Paul and Christians. But what what was Demetrius's problem? You know, we think it's just they're they're in conflict with the religion. But a lot of times it's not that. And and Demetrius is a perfect example. Demetrius was actually a silversmith in those days. What did silversmiths make back then? They made idols. And Paul was basically cutting in to Demetrius's prophets. You know, Paul Paul taught that the gods, which the idols represented, 
were demons and thus prohibited Christians from worshiping both God and idols because God's word is clear. You can't worship both. Mm -hmm. Um, And the lack of reliance on idol worship was cutting into their profits and therefore their power. And that really got me to thinking, what are the modern day silversmiths? Hmm. And I'm not getting political here. I'm not. I'm just I'm just challenging you to think about these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting into um, uh, the the fringe theories or the uh, I'm I'm not going any of those places. But I'm saying, what are our modern day silversmiths? Is it big tech? Mm-hmm. Is it big pharma? Is it big government? If you think about it, anything that has anything to do with idol worship is trying to get you to rely solely on them. Mm-hmm. That's what Demetrius was doing back in Bible times. Yeah. He wanted his idols to be the thing that everybody was relying on because it it put money in his pocket. And we have to understand that those there's Demetriuses all around us nowadays. But the problem in today's society is that we know that that is idol worship and we make it our idol anyway by not bowing down to it, but by constantly talking about it. Mm. You mentioned it earlier. You kind of made the joke. We're going to talk about politics today. How often do we make politics an idol by complaining about politics being an idol? That's true. We do. Yeah. We do. We get so mad at the news, it just tears us up, and we're saying, this is so bad for us. Yeah. Listen to what we're saying. We talk about big tech, how destructive phones are. And and I fall victim to this a lot. I complain about it so much, I'm making it idle by complaining about it. And we have to understand we don't need to get focused on the idol being the problem. We need to take personal responsibility. And that's what Paul was so good at doing. Yeah. Is he said, that's a problem, which is what we do all the time. But Paul took it a step further. This is the solution. Yeah. And his focus was always over here. He mentioned that because you got to call the problem what it is. You have to. But his focus always turned to the solution. And I know in my life, that's where I fail a lot of times. I'll say, this is the problem. 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 And I never get over here because I get hung up here and thus I make that an idol. I fall victim to what I'm complaining about. Yeah. And I don't know, it just really, um, it really hit me this morning. And I know this is so far off topic, what the verse was talking about and what the question was intended for. But I don't know. It was one of my little sidetracks this morning. Well, and that that book, there, there's a book yeah. that has the direction we should be focused in. So uh, all we right. got to do is pick it up and read it. But, and, but and the look challenge for those is answers. don't let yourself, don't don't get well, caught up in complaining about the problem. We, we do need to call out the problem, I whatever guess, it is. And I guess that's my point, is when we get to that point where we're calling out the problem is the, the, the solution that we look for needs to be in one direction needs sure. to be pick, pick the book up and say, well, what is, I know that I know there's, there's nothing that talks about Twitter in the Bible, but there is lots of sure. stuff that talks about Twitter sure. in the Bible. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a good point. 
Here's the question. Do you rely on God more than technology? Of course, we'd all like to say that we do, but what's the truth? Um, I thought about this analogy. I thought about how there's times when I'm going for a run and you get your, you know, you get your GPS up and running. And um, when you, when you start, you just, you hit the start button and you go. And I don't even look down at my watch to see if it started. Hmm. And sometimes I'll get 10 minutes into a run and realize, Oh, it didn't start. And does that bother you as much as it bothers me? Eh, it bothers Cause it me. tears me up. It bothers me a little <laughs> bit, not too bad, not too bad. But the, uh, but the point is, is that's how much confidence I have in what I'm doing and my technology is mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm sure that when I press that button, everything's good and everything's working. And what would it be like if we did the same thing with God? Mm-hmm. What if when, you know, when I'm praying about Debbie and her situation and God healing her, what if my thought is as I pray, not that I hope that God is going to do what needs to be done, but my, 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 when I get through praying, the feeling is it's already done. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be done exactly the way I want it to. Sure. God has his ways, and, and I, I, I'm not demanding that he do it my way. But what if we prayed that way? Because I think we don't. We pray and we hope when we pray. And um, I've been convicted on that over the last couple of months, actually, with, with prayer in particular, that we should pray expecting. Mm. And um, That's hard to do. And, and it, it is. But that's what this is asking. Mm-hmm. Do we rely on God more than technology? We have all sorts of technology that we just assume when we pick up our remote control to watch the television and we hit the power button that it's coming on. How many times as have you punched something in the GPS? And maybe it's because you're checking on traffic that the GPS is taking you a different way that you know is not right. But you go the way the GPS says instead. This is opposite of what you probably thought I was going to say. There have been times where, okay, GPS is saying go this way. I know a lot of times it's right. So you go that way only to realize it took you 20 minutes longer than if you went the way you knew. Yeah. But we get so trained to rely on that. But if we could just get trained to rely on God like we do on technology. Yeah. Golly bum. But we, we second guess God way more than we do technology i know in my life i do yeah if i'm just being completely honest Mm -hmm. but i I don't know that this kind of brought up a a challenge that i had a couple years ago and i've actually thought about doing it again um with the youth you know i I had the high school boys and i may have talked about this on here but a few years ago you know i always talk about screen time with our guys everybody has to pull up their phones on wednesday nights and tell tell me what their screen time was for the week it's just an accountability had one kid last night pull his up and he was like whoa i said do you could feel convicted he said yeah but a few years ago i made the challenge i said is anybody in here and i had a basket laying there i said if anybody in here is willing to put their phone in the basket right now you don't pull it out and look at it check anything put your phone in the basket right now and we leave it that you leave it there for one week. I'll do it with you. Oh, and because my point was, y'all are in high school. Yes, you're busy, but I run a business, a ministry, 
I got kids, a wife. There's a lot of things going on, mm-hmm. but I can do without this. And I was going to force myself to do it. And nobody in there would take me up on it. Wow. But I remember that night I told Holly, I said, I was really anxious. I bet. Because I put myself out there and that, that made me realize that phone is too much in your life, Mitchell. I was trying to make a point to these high schoolers yeah. thinking I'll do it with you. And as soon as I said it, I was like, oh man, <laughs> what did yeah. I just say? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, but nobody took me up on it. So I think I'm going to do it with the whole youth group here before long. I, I'm oh. going to do it with the whole, and if one person takes me up on it, I'm going to do it. So, How powerful. um, I don't know. I just, that's, that's a good, it's a good way to determine how much it means in your life because we all can go without a cell phone for a week. We could. No question. Yeah. It'd actually probably be pretty cool in many ways, but the anxiousness, the anxiety that came over me right when I said it made me realize you've got that thing up too high in your life. Yeah. Well, I I know like, well, we don't want to get into all the details, but I don't have another phone. I mean, my wife has a phone. Yeah. Yeah. People know how to get there. Yeah. I think it would be pretty cool. (laughs) And think about the, think about the opportunity to witness because of it. Because people, you're going to have 35, you're going to have more than 35 text messages by the end of that week that went unanswered. Yeah. And think about what you could tell those people when you got done. What are you crazy? No, this is why. Yeah. And think about the impact that could make. It could. Yeah. But I haven't done it yet. And, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I will, I will do it before Christmas. That's pretty powerful. Group, so pretty powerful. Another question. Are you ready to put God first? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it just based on what you just said. Yeah. I mean, um, just, just being willing to do that uh, again, knowing that you, you literally have things on the line. Mm-hmm. You literally have things that will suffer, but do we really, I mean, do we really? I well, it mean, depends on how you look at it. Yeah. I think it depends on, on, on how you, you know, I mean. I mean, if somebody needs to get a hold of you bad enough, they're going to get a hold of you. Yeah. I know I do when people, because, you know, people don't answer their phones all the time. Well, I'll show up. Yeah. Yes, you will. <laughs> Why aren't you answering your phone? <laughs> but. Yeah. We, we put these, we put these artificial urgencies on things so many yeah. times. And so we justify and, um. But am I falling victim to what I talked about before? I'm talking so much about the phone. Am I making the phone an idol just by talking yeah, about it? So, I don't, I don't know. know. There's a balance there. There is. But but you're talking about it in, in, a, in the right frame, I think. And here's the thing is is when when we talk about putting God first, putting God first means being willing to do what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That That's putting God first. Putting God first means putting God, God's more important than your family. Now, I know that sounds really harsh to a lot of people. And when you say that out loud, that's hard to say. But it's, but it's, the, it's where we have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we're to, to be the complete person that God wants us to be, is, he has to be first. Good times, bad times, ugly times, he has to be first. And whatever that means and whatever that takes for for you. And it's different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So last question, what keeps you away from God? I think that, uh, you know, just being human. <laughs> yeah, my answer was thing. me. 
Yeah. Um, and it, I think that the we have this problem with instant gratification these days. Everything is so fast. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime is popular for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And so we are so used to getting everything that we want so fast. And the truth is with God, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. Sure. But sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we pray for something and we pray for a long period of time over and over and over again before you've got rocks back there that you're praying for people that and things that um, I I dare say there's some in there that are years old Mm -hmm. and you're going to keep praying for Mm -hmm. those things. And that's not easy in this world where we're used to pulling out that phone Mm -hmm. and looking up an answer to every problem that we have. And, and I think that is the hardest part of staying connected to God a lot of times. And what keeps us away from God is that God is not an instant gratification being. The most satisfying, the most satisfying gratification is delayed gratification. A hundred percent. That's I true. I mean, it, you get a quick shot of dopamine with instant gratification, but it, it rarely fades. does it last. Yeah. But those things that you pray about, you work towards, you train for, for weeks and days and years, it just means so much more. But I don't, we, we somehow have gotten that backwards in our society and me included. Yeah. All the people that crossed that marathon finish line at Disney this past year that worked through that year, particularly those ones who had never run before prior to that year and crossed that finish line, I guarantee you they're never, ever, ever going to forget that. Sure. Those, those few minutes they were finishing that race and crossing that finish line. Um, that's what delayed gratification can get you. Mm-hmm. Instant gratification gets you. I read a joke, you know, online, and it was funny, and I thought it was hilarious, and I laughed really hard. My my boys and I yesterday it was my uh, my youngest son's birthday yesterday, and we went out to lunch, and there was some joke we were batting around. It was some little video, and we laughed so hard we couldn't breathe. You know, you get to that point. I don't remember what it was about. I don't even remember what it was about today. And it was so funny yesterday. I couldn't breathe. That's what instant gratification gets you. It gets you a temporary high. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what God does is he gives you something that's lasting. Mm. Right? It's a good word, Dean. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. back and here's a weird thought okay and you got to hear me out because this is going to sound like i'm headed in a really bad direction when i say it have you ever met anybody who quit taking their medication and got better yeah i have yeah sure um somebody pretty close to me and i want to say i'm not advocating that people play around with their medication and quit taking stuff okay i'm not saying that but i heard i heard a guy talking recently and he's a guy that i listen to regularly and the guy was he was having like suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. and um 
this went on for a while. And during this whole, it was very fascinating because I was listening to him make decisions and he went through and he went through all these different things to decide, um, to try to figure out what, what was causing him to feel like he was feeling. And he finally found it. He finally hit it. He just eliminated things one at a time until he found out he quit taking one of his medications and he got better instantly. Hmm. And uh, now, again, not advocating no. for you stopping taking medications, but it may be a good conversation for you to have with your doctor. Yeah, you know, for sure. A lot of people just rely on things for so long that they don't. Have, it never crosses their mind to go. I wonder if I still need this. Yeah, and it may be a good thing to say to your doctor, "Hey, what do you what What would happen if I stopped taking this medication mm-hmm. or that medication?" And it could make a difference. Um, but but I think about this from a from a running standpoint too. If you're a runner and you just started running and a lot of the folks out there listening are just, just started running this year, there's a very good possibility that you've made your body more efficient and that you can eliminate a lot. In a lot of cases, it's just a matter of our body needs that medication to keep it going. But once we make the body healthier, we can eliminate some of that stuff. So, again, I'm not advocating when anybody stops on their own, but um, you're just asking them to think about it. Yeah, but just realize if you're walking and walking and or running, you may be healthier. Sure. In a way that you might be able to give up some of those things. Just a thought. All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Did you see the penultimate race of this NASCAR season? It was the most interesting finish I've ever seen, bar none. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it since, right? Mm-hmm. This was called Learning from NASCAR. The NASCAR championship was on the line. Ross Chastain was one race away from making it into the final four of NASCAR racing for the first time in his career. The best of the best. But with one lap to go, he was two places too far back to qualify for the championship. Based on the lap times of the cars involved, his chances were essentially zero. There was no way to pick up the crucial two seconds he needed on a single lap of the short track in Martinsville, Virginia. But then Ross remembered how he used to play a video game when he was young. He had run this last lap hundreds of times in the video game. Of course, the video game world is not the real world, but... He remembered pushing the gas pedal all the way to the floor and running his car against the wall so that the wall kept him from going off the track. Since there was no way to leave the track, he could drive much faster than when you had to keep the car in the middle of the lane. But that only worked in video games, right? But at this point, what did he have to lose? Sure, he would dent the car a bit, but he didn't know if trying to run against the wall would cause a wreck he couldn't anticipate. But what if it worked? He made a split-second decision to try it, and it worked. It was perhaps the most exciting finish for a non-race winner in NASCAR history, and he picked up those spots he needed to qualify for that championship race. When I saw it, I sat with my mouth wide open thinking, did I see what I think I did? So what can Ross Chastain's finish in Martinsville teach us? There are so many things we can take from this risky but brilliant move, but I'd like to talk about three of them. First, we tend to give up when a goal looks completely out of reach. When that happens, we stop looking for solutions, uh, but we all know it's not over until we cross the finish line. 
the proverbial lady may be warming up or even striding to the microphone, but there is still time as long as we haven't crossed the finish line. Some of us stop looking for solutions as soon as the program is printed that tells us who is going to be singing that final song. It was a famous coach, Jim Valvano, who said, don't give up, don't ever give up, even as he stood at the microphone with terminal cancer. I dare say for many of us that if we live by that quote, our lives would be different. Second, some of the most creative solutions to problems happen at the last minute when it appears there's no way of pulling it off. This is related to the first point, but it's slightly different. When things are dark or when we're facing a tough situation or we have already failed three times doing the same thing, find a new way. Sometimes this will be at the last minute, but sometimes it is a thought it is thought out way ahead of time. The last second decision he made was over a decade in the making. It was something he had thought about in the past, even as he fantasized about the possibility of facing specific consequences in the future. I don't advocate for being paralyzed by what-if situations, but asking what-if questions can lead to great outcomes if kept in perspective. A good example is CPR training. I have to take a class every two years to keep that skill in my mind just enough to be able to respond in an emergency. I don't think about it constantly, but it is there for recall when I need it. That is in stark contrast to someone who is consumed by the idea that she may be attacked while out running. It's a great idea, even essential, that we think about that and be aware, but many people are consumed by the idea and it affects runs that are very safe. Find a new way to look at things when things look bleak and use it when you need it. Finally, be willing to try anything simply because you are passionate and want it so badly. It is a NASCAR driver's dream to be able to drive for a championship. Ross Chastain was so passionate about that dream that he was willing to do whatever it takes to make that dream come true. It was a split-second decision that was fueled by a desire to accomplish a big goal. As runners, we will all be faced with obstacles. Sometimes it's simply finding time to run. What are you willing to do to make it happen? We're not advocating for taking the kind of risk that Ross took, but why can't you get up a little earlier and run in the dark or on a treadmill to get your run done? The challenges are different for all of us, but a little passion for getting to your goal will make finding solutions much easier. Speaking of passion, how passionate are you for making an impact for Christ? How much do you yearn to spend time with the creator of the universe? One of the great things about our time is the access uh, to, to many ways to accomplish the goal of becoming closer to him. I use the Bible app regularly. We have the full Bible, actually more than the full Bible, in our pockets all the time. Yet I hear people tell me that it is difficult to find time to spend, to spend with God. If we're not finding time for God, we're just not trying hard enough. Be creative and thoughtful about how you can meet with God every day, and you'll find that not only is it not as difficult as you may think, but it will also make your entire day so much better. Whether you're trying to find time to run, struggling to reach your goals, or looking for ways to strengthen your relationship to God, the answer is out there. I don't know if the solution is as crazy as Ross Chastain's, but never stop looking for ways to be successful in your running endeavors and ways to deepen your relationship with the Creator. God will uphold His side of things if we'll work on it from our side. 
You know, I had not heard about that until I read this this morning. And Lane actually came down. We pulled up the video. We were hee-hawing. Yeah. I mean, it was just like a video game. Yeah. Because I remember doing that at the arcades where you're driving. And, and it wasn't because that was my plan. It's just because that's how bad of a driver I am in those <laughs> video games. But it was... You can tell. He put the pedal to the floor. I mean, he was... He was going so fast, and everybody else was breaking coming into that turn, and just ran it on the wall all the way. It it's like hilarious. Yeah. I mean, even his it, it flashed to his team, um, his pit crew and owners and everybody. It showed the video of them, and they're all just looking at, just like you said, their mouths are wide open. Like, is he really doing this? And then they erupt into screaming and yelling because he pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a man. That's a great analogy, Dean. For for how we should do with our walk with Christ so many times. Find a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't you think that society in general just gives up too easily sure. these days? Um, I mentioned yesterday with, with Nate, that's exactly what he did. He just, all of a sudden, his mind was made up to just quit, to just stop looking for a solution, to stop trying to keep pressing. And um, the truth is, is that sometimes, sometimes it may get more difficult as we go, but there's never a reason just to give up. Right. right? And also we, we should, we should be putting things, we should be thinking about the things ahead of time and putting things in place that help hold our feet to the fire. It's kind of what I was talking about with John at the very beginning of this podcast with where you park your car. Just like yesterday, I I mentioned I did a track workout. I really did not know how that was going to go because I haven't ran 800s in a very long time. And I hate 800s to me. It's the worst distance in the world. But I had made the decision, the guy that w- has been running with me, Keith, he, he wasn't going to be there. And I had made the decision beforehand, I'm going to send him a screenshot of my splits, mm. good or bad. Yeah. And you better believe I didn't want to send him bad results. But I had made that decision ahead of time, and it it really helped, especially on number five. <laughs> made you it know, a five or six is like, that's the one where you're like, oh, four's good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but... Yeah, great yeah. story. I love that story. Yeah, it's a it's a great great example too. Um, and the the thing about this that I want to point out too, we talked about the sweat pledge not too mm-hmm. long ago on a Thursday night, and one of the things that Mike Rowe says in the sweat pledge is that we're not to just follow our passion, but we're to be passionate about whatever we do. Mm-hmm. So we bring our passion with us mm-hmm. and. That's true for all of the things that we do. And if we are passionate about it, if we really, really want to follow through, whether that's running or our relationship with Christ, whatever it may be, if we're really passionate about it, we'll find ways. We won't give up easy. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll find a way to get things done. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good example. This is such a cool – it was such a cool story and, and a way to, uh, to look at things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it comes to sharing Christ with others um, – Think about this. When we talk about passion, is there, I mean, you, you watched that video and you were just, it was so fascinating because it was so awesome because you'd never seen anything like that before. And the truth is, is that there are people out there who don't understand the story of Christ. Mm. And it mm. is an amazing story that we keep to ourselves often. Mm-hmm. And, we should be out there so excited about the story of Christ that we can't keep our mouth shut. Mm-hmm. 
And yet, we're afraid to speak up because we're afraid maybe if what somebody's going to think about us or whatever. I don't know. Whatever holds us back. But it's such an exciting story to share. Just like this story about Ross and what he did. It's exciting, and we should want to share it with everybody we meet. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't help but thinking, because even the announcers said, you said you watched an interview with the guy. I haven't watched the interview with him yet. But even the announcers said he pulled a playbook from the video games. Well, think about, I can only imagine, if he's a NASCAR driver now, I know that 10, 15 years ago, he was playing PlayStation's NASCAR race over and over and mm-hmm. over. And the crazy thing is, he probably raced on Martinsville Speedway mm-hmm. in the game, and he had probably done that same thing thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And so just like you said with the CPR, when it come time to do it, as crazy as it seemed, he was ready for it. Mm-hmm. You, you would think nobody's ever ready to do that. Well, he was ready for it. We talked about mission last night. Tyler's focus was on what is mission defining what mission is and, and it, he kind of bringing the point to missionaries and he asked the, all the youth in the group he said who what do you think of when you think of missionary and of course you got all the answers we have several missionaries in our church and those names popped up and he said well the truth is we're all mm-hmm. missionaries we always think of well missionaries are those people yep that's wrong we're all missionaries. Yep. And as missionaries, we're all charged to carry the gospel to all the ends of the earth. What we should be do in our lives, we should be playing those situations over in our head, just like that NASCAR driver played that situation over and over on a game years ago. And just like you do CPR on a dummy over and over and you're ready for when it happens. We should be playing all the circumstances of sharing Christ mm. because the reason we don't share Christ is because we're fear. And fear often comes because of the unknown. If you play it in your head and you role play even, I mean, yeah. do it with your dog. I don't care. Practice that. And when it comes time to do it, it becomes more natural. Damn. And I don't, yeah, cool what story, it. Dean. Yeah. Awesome story. That's good. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station at J Radio. Okay, so every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And this is the reason this week, and it's appropriate for this week. Thanksgiving is even better if you're a runner. Is that a bit of a stretch? No, I mean, turkey trots. Yeah, I I mean. I love turkey trots. You got turkey trots. You got the fact that you can eat more because you're physically more active. You're burning more calories. Um, But you also have the fact that you just feel better. And the better you feel, the more thankful you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think there's so many ways that uh, that Thanksgiving is better for us when we are running or walking, mm-hmm. um, which, whichever your case may be. So uh, be thankful that you're able to do it. Um, it gives us one more thing to be thankful for too. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability 
to do what I'm doing. Um, and then along with that ability, better health. Mm. So lots, lots to be thankful for, for sure. All right. So there was this situation at the New York city marathon. I know we don't, we've kind of moved away from sharing professional race experiences, but this one is very instructive for all of us. This guy, his name was Daniel Denasamento. Um, he's from Brazil. He's a really good runner. He's a 204 marathoner. Um, so Is he a known name before this? Yes. Did you know his name? Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't. Okay. I kind of did. Okay. I wouldn't have recalled him, but I, you I had heard, heard of him before. before. Yes, yeah. yes. So anyway, this guy goes out from the very gun, from the gun. He just, boom, he shoots out to the lead. Just he, he runs his second mile was was 420. <laughs> and it's, it's a downhill mile, but it's yeah. but it's still 420. Yeah. And um, he, he runs the first 10K in world record pace, runs the first half in 201, which is way under the New York City Marathon pace. It's hot out and it's New York where the, the, the course is really hilly and it's, it's, it's a tough course. But he just went out and went for it hard. And the whole time he's doing this, Debbie's, I'm watching it and Debbie's sitting next to me and I'm like, this guy is going to crash and burn in spectacular fashion. There's no <laughs> way this is going to turn out well. And of course, that's what happened. Um, he gets actually around, I think it was around 18 miles. He stops for a potty break. He actually stopped and went into a portageon and came back out as the leader of the New York City Marathon. I've never seen that happen before. How far behind him was the field at this point? Over two minutes. He was wow. over two minutes ahead of second place. Um, the guy who was in second was the guy who won the Boston Marathon. Um, so, you know. Wasn't a, it wasn't a slow group behind no, him. Really good, really good runners. And uh, so he's two minutes ahead. He, it takes him 18 seconds to stop there. By the time he gets to, I don't know, somewhere close to 20 miles, he's still well over a minute ahead of the leaders. And all of a sudden he stops to walk and he wobbles a bit and you can tell oh this is <laughs> not coming. good yeah and then the next thing you know he starts pumping his arms again and he gets back in and he's running just as fast and it's like okay and he keeps going well about a mile later he, he literally as the leader was just you know he's keep in mind he's still winning the the new york city marathon he comes off the the course gets goes under the tape and just lays on the road and he's like, I'm done. I'm completely spent. And you knew it was coming. But I've never seen anybody crash and burn that spectacularly in the, in a uh, from a professional level. But it was fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I, I know you and I differ a little bit here. I I love to see that. I love to see it because I mean that's just pure guts. It's kind of like the breakaway in the Tour de France. Yeah. Very very rarely. Do those guys yeah. hold the pack off? But sometimes, yeah, they do. And you know, you knew this guy was gonna crash and burn, but there was that glimmer of hope. And I, I love, I love gutsy moves, like kind of like the NASCAR guy. Yeah, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. And yeah. So I, I love to see that. I don't I mean, disagree. He learned a lot from that. You know, he did. He well, was like, he may have learned. I'll never do that again. Well, here's the crazy thing. Okay, he did this at the at the Olympics also. Oh, in the so Olympics, he, he did the same, basically not exactly the same thing, but very, very similar. Um, he started struggling and all of a sudden he's 
I can't remember exactly what happened, but he's sprinting to catch up and he catches up and then and then he's done because, you know, he it took he ran like a four twenty mile to catch up to the group or something. And so he is he has done this in the full, in the past where his eyes get a little bit too big for his stomach. You know, I still like it. I, just, I, I do I too. Like the guts. I, I do too. And we've talked about you and I have talked about before how how the Kenyan way, yeah, is for Kenyans to run at the front of the pack for as long as they can, and then they drop off. And next time they try to run for a little bit longer at the front. And so, and I'm then not, one day you turn into Kipchoge. That's right. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I remember the kid from Northwest that uh, you know that did this. He would be out in front at the mile of every single race he ran. Everyone bar none, I don't care how good the competition was, he was always in first place at the mile. And then he would fall back to finish between 30 and 60. You know, he'd be way back in the pack. But you knew one day he's going he's gonna to hang on to this thing. And, and some days he held on it to a little, a little bit longer than others. And, you know, eventually he won a state championship. Really? Yes. And um, so there you go. Well, yeah. I mean, did you see the guy at this in Landon's race at the state meet, the guy in the bandana? Yeah. He took off. And for a mile, he was just way out. And then I never saw him again. <laughs> but he was, I mean, it's that I, I do, I like that. I, I like because if, if you know, sometimes you just need to stick your neck out there. Yeah, yeah. But here's the lesson, and here's why I bring it up. Because we all need to understand that even the best of the best have really, really rough days. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all had a rough day. If you've been running any time at all, you've had a rough day. Lord knows I've had them. This guy had had a really bad day, but you know what? He's he's learning from it. He's going to move on, and he's gonna he's gonna try hard next time. But who are we talking about today? Not the winner of the New York City Marathon. It's true. It's true. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So some, you know, sometimes, like you said. It's very rare that you beat the odds. Yeah. But every once in a while you God, do. It's so fun to watch when they do. Yeah. Like the guy that breaks away in the tour. I mean, yep. at the finish line, the entire peloton is 30 meters behind them. There's yep. just no better finish than that. Yeah. It, yeah. it is cool. So here's the thing, too, to, to understand that this happens to a lot of us. This happens to us more often than it happens to the professionals because the professionals have more experience Mm -hmm. and we don't. And so the best thing that we can do, have a plan going in and execute your plan no matter how easy it feels. Mm -hmm. So if you're supposed to be running 12-minute pace, just because you feel great running 11-minute pace for the first six miles doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you should do that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to bank time and get ahead of schedule and be able to make it up if you fade later. Mm-hmm. Chances are you're going to crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Whatever that goal is and whatever that pace is, force yourself to do it. My, but the best marathon I ever ran was one where I ran the second mile a little bit faster than I wanted to, and I remember just absolutely having to force myself to slow down. And over the next five or six miles, I mean, it was hard to keep myself reined in. And uh, I eventually, I ran three minutes faster for the second half than I ran the first half and ran a really good race that day, faster than I thought I would. And, and uh, it was just because uh, I was disciplined at the, at the beginning. And to your point, there's also something much more magical than any of it about running negative splits like that. Yeah. Slow, slowing down at the beginning because it's always, take, take the times out of it. It's always easier. It's always um, it gives you a mental boost to be passing people. 
But if you go out too fast and you're the one being passed, it's like it it's like it compounds that you just get demoralized and it it's gets true. worse and worse and worse and worse. So show a little restraint at the beginning, even though I love to see these guys do this. Yeah. And our own races, we we have to do that. You know, yeah. we it's it's always easier to be passing people. Yeah. Always. Yep. Always. For sure. Well, it turns out that Daniel Damasiento is fine today. He's okay. He didn't permanently damage himself or anything like that. So if you have any concerns about that, put all that to bed. So so how about this? Here's another debate. I, I'm sitting I'm going to interrupt you because I'm sitting here looking over. I have a, a picture where Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave did a, a race with us several years ago. And it, at the finish line, he picked up a turtle. It was a tiny, like as big as a half dollar. Yeah. And he picked it up. And, of course, Mike Weaver, he's he's a pretty big guy. Yeah. And he was the last person to finish the race, and he, he stuck the turtle out in front of him as he went across the finish line. And somebody took that, and they made a caption of the picture that is hanging on my wall. It says, Behold the turtle. He makes progress only when he sticks his neck out. Yeah. And I just thought that's that's kind of that Daniel guy. That He's, he stuck his neck out that day, and yeah. we're talking about him as a result of it. Yep. So some For lessons sure. to be learned there. Yeah. Sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's, it's good. Well, one more debate. We've talked about <sighs> debates on here before that, you know, one day we're going to get into this big argument on here. This might be the day. I'm not sure. So in cross-country – there's two different ways to score cross-country meets when it winds up in a tie. In college, the way it works is they take the top five runners that, that scored and they average their, their time, and then that they go based on that time. In high school, they go to the number six runner, and the number six runner, whoever's number six runner finishes ahead of the other, is the one who wins. Which one of those do you think is better? High school. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I was hoping you're going to take the other one. We're going to have I some just, big debate. Uh, to me, it gives even the seventh runner in some cases. I mean, it's it's everybody matters. Well, the arguments against it that that I, w- I was reading about this online, and there was a particular case where they had a, a, a group, and one one group was was a good bit faster, but they only had five runners. They didn't even have a sixth runner, and so they got beat just because the other team had a sixth runner. And you know, the argument was, well, that doesn't seem fair just because they didn't have a six runner. But my argument is, is you should that have six runners. You should have six runners. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, I you, mean, our our girls, Cahulla Creek girls, won region one year, and it went down to that six runner. Six runner. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. uh Yeah, and I get the whole idea. Some people are talking about, well, what about a smaller school? If they have a small school and they have a hard time getting enough, they may only be able to get five runners. Well, that's just part of the game Yeah, to me. That's just part of what's going on. And and the argument was that it's only the top five that count, so why does a six runner come into it? And and this was my my comeback for those folks was your number six runner can push back somebody else's number five runner. Sure. So those runners – do count in the scoring. It's not that they don't count. They do count. It's just in a different way. Right. And so, um, so saying they don't count in the scoring is is just not true. Right. And so, yeah, I think the six runner is the is the way to go. How has it been done? I mean, did college just change to doing it that way over the years, or have they always done it that way? I'm, you know, I'm not sure about that. I thought it was always the six runner. And, and only recently did I realize, I guess, having coached in college now, realize that it's the, the top five average. 
I, I just don't like it. I like the sixth runner being the determining factor. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just more of a, of a team atmosphere, which is what it is. I mean, yeah. it's a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right, how about a trivia question for this week? Here's a very simple one. Who is the youngest ever to win the Olympic 100-meter dash? That's something that probably is not on the top of anybody's mind. Mm -mm. But look it up because there's an interesting story behind it. Hmm. So the youngest ever to win the Olympic 100-meter dash. If you know the answer to that question, you can send that to dean at runforgod.com. And if you're the first person to answer, it's worth 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. worth a run for God merchandise. Yeah. So uh, be the first one. Pretty cool. We've had a lot more participation in answering these questions recently. I think it's be- we changed the prize, and I think yeah. people are excited about it. Pick whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, a motivational thought of the week is this. Uh, and, and this comes from a devotional. Angie is the one that pointed this out to us, Angie Hawkins. And I like this. It says, we run for him, for Christ's glory and for honor, the honor of his name. We run for the advancement of his kingdom. Hmm. That comes from Joseph M. Stowall. Stowell. He's a, uh, again, it's a devotional, and he talks about running the race. Um, so I th- just never forget why we're running or walking, yeah. whatever, whatever we're doing. Never forget why we're doing it. It's so we can be healthier, so we can share Christ. Yeah, and if you're listening today and you are not a member of Run Club, we don't we don't say this at the end of every podcast like a lot of people do, but I'm gonna, I want to encourage you to join um, the the tools, the information, the community is just hands down incredible, worth every penny that it costs nine dollars ninety seven cents a month or a twenty seven cents a day. I'm sorry, yeah. if you if you join for a year, it's twenty seven cents a day that's enough the content alone and the community is enough to justify that but what does what else does that do the bigger picture it helps us to do the god loves you campaigns the who do you say that i am campaigns it allows it allows us to wake up every morning and try to figure out how we can share the gospel of jesus christ with the lost and dying world you know christmas is literally right around the corner um this is the most receptive time of the year uh, studies have shown people are more receptive during the Christmas season than any other time of the year. Your memberships help us capitalize on that. So mm-hmm. I, I encourage you today, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of Run Club, go to runforgod.com, join, encourage your friends to join. We would like nothing better than for one day this to be the largest running club in the world. What kind of statement would that make Boy, to runners all across the world? Um, so if you're not a member, Go to runforgod.com and get joined today. And if you are a member, thank you for being a member. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. Happy Thanksgiving. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.